Open your Bibles, the book of Psalms, chapter number 85. This is a strong Sunday night crowd, and we thank the Lord for each of you that are here. And uh, I trust that you had a good afternoon today. I certainly did. After the service this morning, I was able to get a bite to eat uh, with Dr. Bloom and his brother and sister-in-law and some of the Bloom family, and just had a delicious meal and a warm time of fellowship. I so enjoyed spending some time with them. And then I got to my room and I was able to do what I love to do on a Sunday afternoon, and that is fellowship with my pillow. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's just something about a Sunday afternoon that calls, that clamors, that commands a nap. And I'm not bragging, but I'm always a better preacher in the evening when I nap in the afternoon. And so I don't know if you're looking forward in hearing me tonight or not, but I'm looking forward in hearing me. And I just had a great time of fellowship with the Blooms and then was able to rest a little bit and back in the service tonight. Again, a strong Sunday night crowd. I appreciate the testimonies about revival. What a blessing. And uh, the choir as they sang and the couple that sang a moment ago, my heart has been blessed. I, thinking about the nap that I had this afternoon, it was one of those kind of naps that, uh, well, when I woke up, I felt like I had missed the school bus. <laughs> Dr. Bloom, that's the kind of nap I had. I woke up and felt that I missed the school bus, and it's Sunday, and I'm 60 years of age. Man, that was some kind of a nap. Psalm chapter number 85, and I'll take but one verse of Scripture for our text, and it will be verse number 6. Psalm 85 <coughs> and verse number 6. And I would invite you to stand with me as I read the Word of God. Psalm 85 and verse number 6. I almost feel that, uh, Dr. Bloom, that I need to give a little background, a little backdrop to the message. Uh, a few years ago, it was uh, this time of the year, it was January of a new year, and uh, I was on a uh, Saturday night flight, a late Saturday night flight from Detroit to uh, Memphis. And I got to my uh, plane seat, and uh, I believe uh, that Saturday night it happened to be 2A, uh, if I'm not mistaken, seat 2A. And I got to my plane seat, and I took out a, a piece of paper and uh, my Bible, and on the top of that piece of paper, I wrote the title of this message, and with my open Bible on that uh, oh hour uh, and uh, some minute flight between uh, Detroit and Memphis, God gave me what I'm going to try to give to you tonight. Psalm 85, 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And for a few moments, I want to speak to you on the subject tonight five reasons I want far-reaching revival. <laughs> Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the Word of God. If and on my heart, I want to be a blessing, but the only way that I can be if you hide me behind the cross 
and fill me with the Spirit. Place a hedge around this great, <coughs> great church by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons from hindering this service. Save the sinner and stir the saint. Heavenly Father, for all that you'll do in our midst and even in our hearts tonight, we will be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory. Bless and protect my precious family as I am away. Give us fresh warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed from tonight. And Lord, I'd request, oh, how I would request that you'd clothe me in my calling. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. For 40 plus years, this evangelist has given uh, both his energy and his efforts to be an eyewitness of a epic supernatural event, preaching at least once a day every calendar year, traveling around the clock, and living out of a suitcase are all the visible evidences that this isn't a passing fancy. Uh, not to just read about the mighty moves of God in the past, but to reach them in the present has been the meaningful fuel that the engine of this ministry has managed to run on for many decades. Five reasons I want far-reaching revival. In the book of Psalms, chapter 85, we find the unknown psalmist's prayer for revival. This chapter could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. The restoration, verses 1 through 3. The revival, verses 4 through 7. And then the responsibility, verses 8 through 13. It is well the unmentioned psalmist is dealing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with the revival that a person sees one, Dr. Bloom, one personal reason for more than a surface but a sweeping move of God. Verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? G. Campbell Morgan, that great Bible student of yesteryear, once wrote about our text, yet the imperfection of their loyalty creates the long discipline of sorrow and shame, and the prayer is that God will turn the people to himself. The sister verse of Psalm 85.6 is Habakkuk 3.2. O oh Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. O oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known in wrath, remember mercy. Never forget my and yours prayer, O oh, passion and plea for revival just may be the vehicle that God will use to bring a powerful revival. 
Now, if you miss everything that I preach tonight, I pray that you would not miss that. And it even bears repeating my and yours prayer, a passion, and plea for revival just may be the vehicle God will use to bring a powerful revival. Friend, you and I, those of us that are saved, ought to have some personal grounds for heaven to grant a significant spiritual awakening. Now, quickly, I want to give you tonight five reasons why I want far-reaching revival. And when I say five reasons that I want far-reaching revival, I want you to understand that I'm not talking about just another meeting. I'm not talking about just another series of services. But when I say that I want far-reaching revival, I want a genuine, I want a real, I want an authentic move of God. Quickly, let's notice it tonight. Five reasons I want far-reaching revival. Number one, I want my God to send it. Isaiah 64, 1, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. A reason why I want far-reaching revival is because I want my God to send it. In Isaiah 64.1, the prophet Isaiah tells us uh, that God's divine intervention is the powerful result of a direct invitation. No single Christian or single church should ever expect God to move uh, in a mighty way when they really don't mind <laughs> if he does it. The hymn writer must have had the same truth upon his heart when he penned. There shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing. Come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, We have felt in our souls not that we may have revival, but we must have it. He went on to say, we must draw near to the angel and wrestle afresh with this determination that we will not let him go unless he should bless us. Friend, you and I ought to know that my personal grounds for heaven granting a significant spiritual awakening is I want my God to send it. The Bible says in Psalm 86, 17, show me a token that, uh, Dr. Bloom, is an evidence of both God and good. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast hope in me and comforted me. Breaking news. When the river of revival runs through a church and a community, we won't be bragging on the evangelist, uh, boasting on the crowds uh, that attended uh, the services or uh, blow the eating on the ways. We marketed the meeting, but on our bellies shouting what they do around the throne in glory. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power 
and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory in blessing. Revelation 5.12, oh, a reason that I want far-reaching revival, not just another meeting, not just another series of services, but a reason that I want far-reaching revival is because I want my God to send it. I recall reading some time ago that a short while before Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman passed away, he was addressing a large gathering of preachers when he said, we have reached a place where one man plays a handsaw, <coughs> another gives a light story, gathering a big crowd, and we call it revival. No, said Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman, that's not revival, that is a farce. I want my God to send it. Number two, I must hasten, I want my generation to seek it. Psalm 80 and 19, turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. A reason why I want far-reaching revival is because I want my generation to seek it. In Psalm 80 and 19, the psalmist Asaph tells us that just one smile from the face of omnipotence can change the whole chosen nation of Israel. But I want, Dr. Bloom, uh, that small pronoun, us, that's in this passage to deal with an entire age group of mine, which are called the baby boomers. That's the crowd that's born between 1944 in 1964, this age group has caused the end of polio and beehive hairdos and the beginning of mobile phones and the Beatles. I don't know about you, but I think Beatles should be stepped on and never allowed to sing. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing uh, that if real revival, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if real revival, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if real revival was added uh, to what the baby boomer generation was responsible for? Friend, you and I ought to know uh, that my personal grounds for heaven granting a significant spiritual awakening is I want my generation to seek it. Mark it down. And Brother Woodard, I've been saying this in my meetings for some time. It would be a tragedy if the next generation had to skip over our generation in telling their children and grandchildren about the last great revivals. Oh, friend, I don't want just another meeting. I don't want just another series of services. You're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. I mean, if we just want to play revival, if we just want to play church, we might as well shut it down right now. But friend, I want revival, and I believe you want revival as well. And the reason that I want revival is because I want my generation to seek it. Now, there's several things that the baby boomers can do, and for that matter, anyone can do, to pursue a powerful move of God. First of all, get over ourselves. John 3.30, he must increase, 
but I must decrease. You see, a thing that baby boomers can do to pursue a powerful move of God, or anyone can do for that matter, to pursue a powerful move of God, is there, uh, get over ourselves. Uh, uh, me without God is nothing, and God without me is still everything. Man, I like what Evangelist Mays Jackson said in my hearing once. He said, Dr. Bloom, all we are, our all we are, all we are, May Jackson said, is a zero with a circle rubbed out. Well, if we're going to pursue a powerful move of God, I mean, we're going to have to just get over ourselves. Secondly, get obviously hungry. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Oh, listen, uh, uh, a thing that the baby boomer uh, can do and anyone for that matter can do to pursue a powerful move of God is there. Get obviously hungry. A take it or leave it mindset never belongs to the believer that experiences revival. Get obviously hungry. You know, it's interesting. When you're hungry physically, you'll move heaven and earth to satisfy that craving. Can a brother get a witness? Every week of my life, I'm in a different motel room. And I don't know how this works, but I think they must, uh, at the front desk, uh, let uh, the snack machines know what room I'm in. Because every week of my life, in the middle of the night, I'll be dead asleep. And all of a sudden, I can hear my voice being called. And it's like I levitate out of that bed. Can a brother get a witness? And I put my clothes on and I'll stagger out of that room and I'll walk down the hall and before I know it, I'm standing in front of a snack machine eating stale Cheetos. <laughs> oh, it is amazing how you and I will absolutely move heaven and earth to satisfy a physical hunger. Would to God that we'd have that same spirit, that same drive, that same interest when it comes to a spiritual hunger. Get obviously hungry. Thirdly, get over our offenses. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, and when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that our Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses, a thing that baby boomers can do to pursue a powerful move of God, or for that matter, anyone, anybody can do to pursue a powerful move of God, is there, get over our offenses. Can I go ahead and preach? Uh, sure, that little boy in grade school shouldn't have pulled your ponytail, but the fact uh, in 30 years you haven't got past it is why why we're not having God do something big in our church services. You say, well, Dr. Hamlin, how do you know that I haven't gotten past it? Because uh, we're friends on Facebook. That's how I know. 
And I mean, not even a little bit of time goes by, and you've got to remind us, uh, you've got to rehearse to us, uh, you've got to refresh to us uh, what happened to you in grade school when that little boy, this is Baron, you're letting on, when that little boy pulled on your ponytail. Listen, friend, uh, hey, we ought to build a bridge and just get over some stuff and realize the reason we're not having revival is because uh, we're dragging uh, people including our own person uh, back into time uh, to rehearse uh, and relive some hurt. I don't know if I said this the last time I was here, 2008, but, you know, I wasn't in this world five minutes till I was mistreated. (laughs) I mean, a complete stranger uh, took me by one leg and hang me upside down and slap me for no apparent reason. I came to this world mistreated, but thank God I'm not like some of you and still haven't gotten over it. Oh, that every every baby boomer in this service and watching by way of internet and listening by radio and for that matter any individual would realize that the things they can do, all of us can do to pursue a powerful move of God is get over ourselves, get obviously hungry and get over our offenses. Great American One of the founding fathers of our nation, Benjamin Franklin, once said, doing an injury puts you below your enemy. Revenging one makes you but even with him. Forgiving it, said Benjamin Franklin, sets you above him. I don't know, Dr. Bloom, if it puts us above anyone else or not, but I do know that forgiveness, forgiveness, I do know that forgiveness lifts us to a closer plane, to a closer rung, to a closer level, to revival. I want my generation to seek it. On that hour... And so many minute flight from Detroit to Memphis late on that Saturday night uh, in the beginning of a new year. I wrote on that uh, piece of paper, I I wrote, uh, I want my God to send it. I wrote, uh, I want my generation to seek it. Number three, I want my grandchildren to see it. Psalm 145.4 One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty mighty acts. The reason why I want far-reaching revival is because I want my grandchildren to see it. In Psalm 145.4, the psalmist David tells us that the older generation, that's grandparents that know the Lord, uh, are to pass down to the younger generation, that's grandchildren that know the Lord, uh, the divine demonstrations of God. That means on a strictly personal note, the four people on this planet, Madison, Mason, Evan, and Brooklyn, who call me Papa, ought to be able to spiritually observe some things that make the headlines and history books of heaven. Friend, you and I, Ought to know that my personal grounds for heaven granting a significant spiritual awakening is I want my grandchildren to see it. As I mentioned a moment ago, we have four grandchildren. 
And I have to be very transparent in telling you uh, that it's even to this day hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that I'm a grandfather. I remember hearing people say who had grandchildren, I remember hearing them say that, man, when you meet that first grandson, you meet that first granddaughter, there's just something special about it. And I'm glad that I never said what I thought, but I used to think I can't understand that. A child is precious. I'm sure that a grandchild is precious as well, but I'm glad I didn't articulate that. You know, sometimes you can be stupid to yourself, but when you open your mouth, you're stupid to other people. And I'm glad, Dr. and Mrs. Bloom, that I was just stupid to myself because when I met that first granddaughter who turned 12, by the way, yesterday, uh, and if you're about her age, don't you dare look at her or they'll find Jimmy Hoffa before they find you. <laughs> In Jesus' name. But man, I remember holding that first granddaughter, Madison, who turned uh, uh, 12 uh, uh, on Friday, I should say, and I got to spend a little time with her on, her on her 12th birthday. Man, I mean to tell you something happened in my heart, and children are, uh, they're okay. But man, grandchildren, man, that's a whole nother universe. That's a whole nother, I mean, a whole nother stratosphere. Mark Twain said that grandchildren are the blessing you receive for not killing your children. And to think about, Mrs. Bloom, that I'm a grandfather four times, and even to this day with a granddaughter uh, who's 12 years of age, uh, uh, who is the oldest, and a, and a granddaughter uh, that uh, is uh, uh, eight uh, or seven, which is the youngest, and, and the two boys in between. I mean, still, to this point, it, it's hard for me to get my head around it, but I want you to know a reason that I want revival. I want my grandchildren to see it. I've been privileged, uh, and Dr. Bloom, you have as well, to enjoy and experience some things, so much so that if I were to go to heaven tonight, I would go a happy camper. Amen. I remember Dr. Bloom's son, as a young preacher, hearing the heroes and giants uh, and the mentors that I had talk about being in revival and how that uh, the building was packed and how they had to open the back doors and had to lift the windows and how that there were more people that were on the outside than were even on the inside. And I remember thinking to myself, Dr. Bloom, when I ever get to see that, and it was in this state, in the state of Florida, a few years ago that it happened to me that I was preaching in a meeting and one night, uh, man, we had more people out outside looking in than we had in the service. I could go to heaven tonight, a happy camper. Brother Woodard, I've, I've been in services where before the preaching even started, in revival meetings where, where the back door flew open and somebody would come running in that the church had been praying for. And before the Bible was ever opened and preached, uh, someone would come running in the back door and they'd hit an altar and they'd either get saved or they'd get right with God. And man, business would pick up in that meeting. You better know it. Those are not things I've read. Those are things I've experienced and I've enjoyed. Man, if I had the time, I could tell you about just some unique and unusual moves of God. And again, Dr. Bloom, God's been good to us in what we've enjoyed and, and what we've experienced. And we could go to heaven tonight, happy campers, sir, we could. But when you flip that coin over, you and I have grandchildren, and I want them to see. 
see those things. I want them uh, to experience those things. Uh, I don't want it just to be something that happened in my life. Uh, I want it to be something that's happened in their lives as well. If you don't want revival this week, that's your business. But if you're a grandparent, then maybe you ought to take out that phone, that smartphone, and go to the photo gallery and look at those seven million and two pictures, which is just from last week you took of them grandkids. <laughs> just go through those pictures. And think about how good God's been to me and how good God's been to you. And it would be selfish, uh, selfishness on steroids if we did not long for revival. If you don't want revival, that's your business. But man, if you have children, and especially if you have grandchildren, you ought to desire revival that your grandchildren would see it. Amen. Back in August of 2019, I was holding a revival meeting in an outside tabernacle at the Charity Baptist Church in Brownstown, Michigan. After preaching in a Sunday afternoon service on the sin that's got to go, if revival is going to come, I noticed, Dr. Bloom, during the invitation that our then nine-year-old granddaughter, Madison, was on the front row, and she raised her hand during the invitation that she wanted to see revival come to her heart. After that afternoon service, I went in the auditorium and I baptized then our five-year-old grandson, uh, Mason, that Mrs. Hamlin had led to Christ, Madison's brother. Whoop! Goes right there. And I'm talking about in one afternoon, I watched our granddaughter respond to her grandfather's preaching, and I had the privilege of baptizing her brother, which would be our grandson. And what I'm just trying to get across to you tonight, uh, those that are in this service and watching by way of internet and listening by way of radio, and one day, I don't know, uh, we'll archive this sermon. What I'm trying to say to you is, if you don't want revival for yourself, uh, I guess that's all right, but man, y'all to want revival for your grandchildren. I want my grandchildren <clears throat> to see it. Number four, I want my grandstand to shout it. Hebrews 12, 1, wherefore seen, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. A reason why I want far-reaching revival is because I want my grandstand to shout it. In Hebrews 12, 1, the Apostle Paul tells us that the Christian is in a great spiritual race and that there is a sizable gathering of those who are in glory, who are spectators. Evangelist Oliver B. Green once said about this scene in the Scriptures, many Bible scholars believe that this great cloud of witnesses is composed of those who have gone on before us, who sit in the heavenly stadium and behold us as we run the Christian race. Friend, you and I ought to know that my personal grounds for heaven granting a significant spiritual awakening is I want my grandstand to shout it. I think about Dr. Bloom's father, who when I came here in 2008, I had the privilege of sitting in this auditorium and listening, Brother Woodard, as I listen to you, Listen to Dr. Bloom's dad teach the Bible. 
And I was blessed this morning. I was blessed hearing, in Dr., hearing Dr. Bloom teach the Bible. In 2008, the pastor's uh, dad, but do you realize he's in heaven tonight? At lunch, the preacher shared with me some of the giants for God and good that have stood in this pulpit. Dr. Lee Robertson, and Dr. Jack Hiles, and others. You realize they're in heaven tonight? And friend, in heaven there's a host, there's a horde that looks over heaven's uh, grandstand, that looks over heaven's uh, railing, that looks over heaven's uh, banister, and they're cheering us on. And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we had the kind of revival these days that would absolutely, oh my, uh, get the attention uh, uh, and, and get uh, the applause of heaven? I mean, wouldn't it be something if in that heavenly section where John R. Rice and Bob Jones Sr. and Mace Jackson and my mentor, Tom Malone, said, wouldn't it be something if they were all on their feet high-fiving one another and rejoicing in the revival we're experiencing in our Christian lives and in our local churches? The bleacher creatures are a group of fans of the New York Yankees who are known for their strict allegiance to the team and their merciless attitude to opposing fans. A prominent aspect of the, of the bleacher creatures of the bleacher creatures uh, is their use of chants and songs uh, for the last two decades of the original Yankee Stadium the creatures occupied section 37 and 39 of the bleachers in 2009 when the Yankee new stadium was built uh, they were re relocated and currently sit in section 203 of the right hand bleachers you say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying it's somewhere in that celestial city there's a section of saints that you and I know who, Brother Woodard, have graduated to glory. And I believe with all of my heart, they're looking over the balcony. They're looking over the banister. And wouldn't it be something if some things happened in my heart and in your heart and in these services and in this revival meeting that would cause the grandstand of glory to be on their feet? Would you look at it, Psalm 85, 6. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? I want my grandstand to shout it. And then number five, and last of all, not only I want my God to send it, and I want my generation to seek it, and I want my grandchildren to see it, and I want my grandstand to shout it, but number five, and last of all, I want my great country to sense it. Second Chronicles 7, 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. A reason why I want far-reaching revival is because I want my great country to sense it. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, the wise man Solomon tells us that not only a personal, but hear me tonight, also a national mighty move of God is both needed and possible. This land that I love, America, doesn't have to be known for booze, but Bibles. Immorality, but integrity. 
homosexuality than holiness, drugs but deliverance. And this country that I love, and I believe you love as well, doesn't have to be known for empty fundamental churches, but extremely full fundamental churches. Friend, you and I ought to know that my personal grounds for heaven granting a significant spiritual awakening is I want my great country to sense it. The Bible says in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. If this nation, America, if in it God's own people just took a half a step in his direction, the tremendous effects of his presence uh, uh, would be felt in every state of the Union, literally from border to border, shore to shore. Selah! Muse on that for a moment. You realize that God's span and step is greater than ours. Let me say that again. You realize that God's span <coughs> and God's step is greater than ours, which means no one ever gets to God. God gets to them. And the promise of James 4, 8 is, draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. We never get to God. God gets to us. And I wonder, Dr. Bloom, what would happen uh, in Ocala. I wonder what would happen uh, in the state of Florida. I wonder what would happen in America if just the believers were in this service tonight, uh, watching by way of Internet, listening by way of radio. I wonder what would happen if we just started to head towards God. I want my great country to sense it. March 6th, I'm closing with this, 1799, President John Adams called for a national day of fasting and prayer for America. He said to call to mind our numerous offenses against the Most High God, confess them before Him with the sincerest penance, implore His pardoning mercy through the great Mediator and Redeemer, for our past transgressions, and through the grace of the Holy Spirit, we may be disposed and enabled to yield a more suitable obedience to His righteous requisitions in time to come. Now, friend, that wasn't Dr. Andy Bloom that said that. And that wasn't Dr. Shelton Smith that said that. And that certainly wasn't Dr. John Hamlin that said that. That was uh, uh, President John Adams who said that. And what presidents, uh, oh my, in the 1700s knew that people in the 21st century need to know is this country is only great because of God and it's only revival that will get us back to God. I want our great country to sense it. Every once in a while, Dr. Bloom, I'll have someone say to me, Dr. Hamlin, do you really believe that America can have revival? When I'm asked that, I always respond the same way. I say this, if I don't have revival, and you don't have revival, America will never have revival. Because it is personal revival that leads us closer to national revival. 
on a flight from Detroit to Memphis late on a Saturday night looking at this scripture. Psalm 85, 6, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? When the plane landed in Memphis, the five reasons that were on that piece of paper were the five things I tried to preach tonight. Why? Five reasons why I want far-reaching revival. I pray that these reasons would now be yours. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.